Welcome in to another edition of Divorce Force Podcast. My name is Adam, and I'm very excited to introduce this next guest. She is currently the Associate Director of Marketing and Community Relations at the University of Oklahoma. Please welcome Caitlin Fournier, everybody. Woo, woo. <laughs> hey, Adam. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's excited to have you on. And, you know, you're... Last post uh, really inspired me, and that's why we got connected. Um, you know, you posted a picture that was taken uh, back when you started Oklahoma being the first uh, female to lead a game production at the University of Oklahoma. Uh, so talk about that and, you know, just bring me back and where sports played a role for you, whether you were an athlete or whether you, you know, went to games as a kid growing up? Sure. Um, I guess I'll start from the beginning. Um, I was not an athlete. My brother was. Um, <laughs> he played every sport under the sun, uh, pretty much primarily baseball as you get older and you kind of focus in on one. And, um, I mean, I spent every baseball or every birthday at a baseball field um, starting at about five, six years old. So I was no stranger to sports by any means, but I was actually a dancer. Um, I danced, I'm from Pensacola, Florida, and I danced at LaBelle Performing Arts, um, on their company doing different, um, performances and productions, musical theater, acting, singing, all of that. Um, but I was also on their competition team where we toured around the country in different styles. Um, and so I got really good at putting on a show. That was my favorite thing to do. Um, I went to college and I was pre-med for a couple years and, um, kind of always thought that that was going to be the path my life was going to take and um, came home for a summer and we had a new minor league baseball team starting up in Pensacola, the Pensacola Blue Wahoos and um, did an internship with them in community relations and kind of fell in love with it. Um, I've always been pretty philanthropic. My parents have always stressed community service and volunteering and serving the community um, all throughout our lives and so kind of pairing that with my love of sports um, seemed like the perfect job. So when I realized you could do that as a career, I changed my major and um, sought out opportunities that kind of fell in line with that. Um, I went to Mississippi State University and worked in football recruiting all four years. Um, and then my senior year, I started an internship um, with the marketing department there. So that was kind of my first start um, with collegiate athletics marketing. Um, had a direct supervisor there who had some connections at Oklahoma, came here and did um, two years as a grad assistant in marketing and community relations, graduated in 2019 and left to go work for the New Orleans Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans um, down in Louisiana for a couple, um, I guess, months. I was there almost a year, came back <laughs> to Oklahoma um, right before the world shut down. So I started February 2020 um, and then I've been here ever since. Um, that's, so yeah, that's awesome. The rest of this history, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's kind yeah. of the, the path <laughs> to getting here. <laughs> yeah, and I, I like to um, go back to the minor league experience. And obviously, how important was it um, to get that experience and not only learn um, your role, but how unique is it to work in minor league baseball? Because obviously you have your role but there's an opportunity to learn other departments as well, right? Sure, yeah. Um, I mean, you can ask anybody who works in marketing and how creative this this field is. Because um, marketing in college athletics isn't what you 
think of when you go to college and study marketing. Um, it's game production. It's the silly tactics to try and get people to your games. It's the giveaways. It's the music. It's everything all encompassing of the fan experience. And who does that better than minor league baseball, right? They do the craziest stuff in the world. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of expected of them. So they're kind of the gold standard in that way. Um, and I didn't even know that at the time. So, I mean, obviously that experience was critical to me because it changed my whole life. <laughs> um, my major, what I was expecting to do with my life. Um, and so it was really cool. Yeah, you get to work with all different departments. Um, it's a really small, close-knit staff. I'm still very close with them to this day. A lot of them are still there. Um, and they've been incredible mentors to me and great sounding boards for different ideas and things like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, everyone in this industry is kind of looking at what minor league baseball is doing here and there um, to pull ideas off of because that's where um, there's a lot of creativity there for sure. Yeah, talk about not only staying there for like a few months or just an internship uh, calendar because obviously – uh, a lot of organizations offer that, and sometimes, uh, you know, every internship is different, but you were there uh, for an extensive amount of time to not only grow, uh, but get more experience. So talk about how vital that is. To, uh, if you get a foot in the door, um, be a sponge and kind of learn uh, the whole business of uh, the sports industry when you get that first opportunity. Yeah. Um, I mean, I did three summers there. Um, so I did it summer 2014, 15 and 17. Um, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I was there for quite a bit. Um, and like you said, you just have to be a sponge and that's my biggest um, advice to anyone, you know, coming up in this industry is to figure out how to make yourself an asset. And the way you do that is to learn a little bit of everything. Um, you know, we had somebody Colin Sick, who was the official scorer, and I knew how to keep book from being at my brother's games all the time. So there's one official minor league baseball game in the books where I was the official scorer. Um, and so, and I did that at, you know, 19, 20 years old. Um, <laughs> so it's pretty cool. I mean, you get to learn a little bit of everything. You get to learn about the, the merchandising side of things, our merchandising director. Um, also had a background in community relations. So we were pretty close and she was great. Um, her name was Anna and she was so great, um, you know, kind of teaching me about, you know, that side of things. And so now, you know, my relationship with Fanatics and our partnership with Oklahoma, um, you know, that's not foreign to me by any means. Um, you know, pulling tarp on game days and helping out with event management <laughs> and the grounds crew. Um, and then, you know, working in community relations, I was the, the resident tour guide for the stadium as well. So um, you got to learn the little ins and outs and quirks of the, the building and minor league baseball and the stadium and the team itself, which was pretty new at the time. And so um, getting to share that love of our hometown team with people who were coming through um, and it just kind of continued from there. But like you said, I mean, you take that opportunity to get your foot in the door and you just soak in everything about it. Um, took that back to college and had the creativity of um, minor league baseball as a whole and became a tour guide at my at my university as well because I had that experience and then um, just just the little things of coming from a community relations mindset like how can we take what we're doing as an athletics department um, and enhance the community around us um, and and get them involved in uh, in the program as well yeah for sure and I want to put uh your student had on because uh, switching majors uh, can be challenging. There's a lot of <laughs> things that have to be done 
Um, what made what helped you make that a seamless process of switching major majors and making that decision and commitment to you know switch majors and make that decision that I'm going to pursue that uh, that you know that major and pursue that degree is uh, what you got in communications and public relations instead of doing the uh, the medical avenue. Yeah, um, my mom's a pharmacist, so um, I mean I think any kid in high school who was good at school is expected to do something and you know become a lawyer or go be a doctor or go do you know some some things like that and so I think that was kind of always the expectation not that anyone put that on me but I put that on myself um and I was always interested in it so it's not like it was something I didn't want to do um shadowed a couple things obviously being a dancer I was in and out of physical therapy all the time so that was very interesting to me um, and so just kind of going to college, that was always the mindset. I was biochemistry major with the plans to go, um, be a surgeon. Um, <laughs> and then kind of just did this internship just for something to do while I was home for the summer. Um, and it was kind of a holding a mirror to your face moment and say like, you really love this. How much would you really love <laughs> You know, not that I don't want to help people and become a physician and, and serve people in that way, but why not do it on a different scale and a different platform and make people smile and make people have a good day in a completely different way? Um, I love the fan facing atmosphere of my role um, and enhancing the fan experience and using community relations um, as kind of the philanthropic avenue of the sporting world. Um, so, combining two of my loves, that was kind of the the deciding factor of this may not make as much money one day, but I'll at least be happy. Um, and there will always be something new every single day. Um, so that was just kind of the decision I came and my parents were super supportive. They, like I said, they never put any pressure on me to, to choose the medical route by any means, but, um, to make that switch pretty, I don't know if it's really late in your college career, people change majors all the time, but I mean, I was well into my degree path, um, and so all of those kind of bounced into electives and I kind of had to start over and do it pretty quick and still graduate in four years and Mississippi State was super accommodating with that but um, yeah it was it was kind of a, a come to Jesus moment if you will of this is going to make you happy for a long mm -hmm. time um, and it's combining two of your loves and you know they always say if you if you love what you do it'll never be work um, exactly so it, it kind of worked out <laughs> Yeah, I love that. And you hit the nail on the head there. You said if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Um, so talk about that, but also the support. I mean, talk about how vital that is. I mean, especially in today's environment, uh, whether it's friends or family, how important is it to have that support system when those decisions are being made? I mean, they seem so small, but they definitely lame large when you're uh, getting ready to potentially pursue that career after college. Sure. I mean, I couldn't do it without my parents. I mean, they were helping um, me get through school. And of course, they just want what's best for me and to set me up well for, for my future. And they were super understanding. And it's kind of funny if you talk to my brother, um, when I decided to, he's younger than me, he's two years younger than me. And he was the one who played sports. He's an engineer now. So he kind of flipped <laughs> um, but you talk to him, he always says like, 
there was never a question when you changed your major that you were destined to be in the position that you're in now. Um, and I think that's pretty cool that him and my parents and, you know, kind of my really close friends around me who knew that I was doubting whether this was the right move for myself, um, never had a doubt that this was where I was supposed to be. Um, and so it's, it's pretty cool to have that support. Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. And um, talk about your experience. You've worked in minor league baseball. You worked in the NBA with the New Orleans Pelicans. And now um, Associate Director of Marketing at Oklahoma, uh, at the University of Oklahoma. So talk about being adaptable and not just um, being, you know, kind of pigeonholing yourself into working in one league or having that uh, one-sided mindset to, well, I just want to work for this team or this league. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's kind of the same thing as before, you know, just make yourself an asset and bloom where you're planted. I don't know that that was ever the plan um, to kind of bounce around and have all this different experience, but there's not many people. I don't think that can say they've worked in baseball, basketball, football, and college athletics. Um, So it worked out well for me. And there's definitely pieces that I've taken um, from every step along the road. Um, especially to in the role that I am in now, um, every day I'll, I'll think back to something else um, that, you know, from minor league or from the Saints or from the Pelicans or anything like that. I mean, it was all very useful experience that I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't, you know, made those stops along the way. Uh, for sure. And uh, talk about your role now. Uh, college athletics is a very unique spot to be because you're not only dealing – uh, with one sport, uh, you're dealing with multiple sports uh, throughout a calendar year. I'll talk about how exciting that is uh, and what you love most about being in the college, college athletic space. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of funny you mentioned that. When I was in grad school, um, that was hate isn't the right word, but that is what kind of made me want to look into working for the pros <laughs> was, the <laughs> idea, was the idea of an off season and um, and being able to focus all my energy into one sport, because um, in college athletics, you are pulled at different directions and um, often running multiple things at the same time and having to shift your focus one day. I mean, yesterday we had a basketball game and tomorrow we have gymnastics. Uh-huh. Um, and so you're constantly having to multitask um, and it's, it's very different. Um, and you kind of talked about the, the LinkedIn post, which connected us and how I ended up into game production um, or at least running it for football. Um, so that's typically the director's role, um, the director of marketing um, or the assistant AD of marketing now um, as that position's title has changed um, to which I am the interim. Um, we typically have a five person full-time staff here at Oklahoma um, and people have left to pursue other opportunities um and so at the time in October I was the only one left um (laughs) so that's how um I kind of you know got put in that situation where I'm the next man up and um you know I had really great mentors and the people that had left to pursue other incredible opportunities um left me with all of the tools to be successful and and still are people that I talk to on a regular basis for advice and input as I lead the department now Um, but it was just a very surreal situation of, okay, this is my turn. Um, I didn't really realize I was the first woman to do it until someone pointed it out to me. 
um, obviously we've had women on staff and we've all worked um, different events. We've worked basketball, um, gymnastics, softball, you name it, but no, no female has ever run OU football yet. Um, and until that moment on October 16th. So it was pretty cool um, to be, to be there. I don't think I breathed until the clock hit zero and, <laughs> and it was over. Um, Cause I didn't want, didn't want to mess up and draw more attention to it. Um, but it, it was, it was really cool. Um, so you talk about multitasking um, right now, we're a full-time department of two. We haven't rehired wow. um, all of the, the people yet. I have three incredible graduate assistants who are rock stars and they're going to go on to do incredible things. Um, but right now I'm overseeing all but two sports. Um, so it's been a lot. Um, I mean, going back to the support system and kind of tying in, tying in uh, our conversation together, it's been a lot and I couldn't do it. Um, without, you know, my mentors and without my family and their support um, and their reassurance of, you know, this is what you were born to do. This is what you're doing. Um, and we're juggling a lot of balls in the air right now and haven't missed a beat. Um, pretty much all of our teams right now are ranked or about to be um, and coming off championships of all different sorts. Um, and so the, the standard of excellence is very high here and, and we couldn't let that falter just because we were down some people. So, um, I mean, it's been October to now February and we're still running with full, two full-time people. Um, but it's been a great growth and learning opportunity, uh, for me in this moment as well. Yeah, for sure. You talk about multitasking and handling multiple sports at the division one level is, uh, the best of the best because D one college sports is just like the pros got the best sap on there. I mean, mm -hmm. it can't get any better than that. And, I mean, for, you know, being able to get that opportunity to one production at an OU football game, obviously, uh, you're – everybody – I think a lot of people who don't work in sports, um, you know, have a misconception of, like, when you get there, when you leave. Um, talk yeah. about what is the planning like before what time you get there what time you leave uh for a football game for a football game um the planning i mean it going i mean you start in march planning for the fall it takes it takes a lot i mean our stadium holds eighty five thousand. Huh. um so you know and trying to keep it fresh and we're always in the mix especially in the conference but in the mix with the playoffs and um, the expectations there. We have a brand new coach coming into this fall. And so what that's going to look like too, um, you know, several Heisman winners and Heisman finalists of the last couple of years. So, I mean, we're one of the top five programs in the country right now for football. So it's a lot um, planning going into it. There's, you know, there's the game itself. Um, and then there's everything around it on campus as well that you're, you have a hand in. Um, the tailgating, the fan fest atmosphere, what's being activated out there, if we're having college game day or the Fox Big Noon kickoff and what that looks like, um, working with our Learfield properties and making sure all the sponsorship activation is in line with whatever theme nights you're doing um, and how they can enhance the game day experience as well. Um, and then everything in the arena or in the stadium as well. I mean, we open doors two hours before kickoff. Um, so for an 11 a.m. kickoff, I'm usually there about 5.30 in the morning. Um, wow. The ball game <laughs> is about 
four-ish hours. Um, and then you're probably there about an hour, hour and a half afterwards, just, um, you know, tearing everything down, getting it back to where it goes and letting traffic clear out before you try and, and navigate that too. So it's a long day. Um, I mean, it's probably 10 hours at the minimum just for a football day. Um, but I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way. You get the best seat in the house. Yeah, for sure. And talk about during the game, because obviously there's uh, the scoreboard, the game clock. Um, talk about all that and the production, uh, not only with um, the facets of within the stadium um, and how, you know, how precise that has to be uh, when running things like that. Yeah, everything's timed down to the second, especially pregame. Um, you don't want to be the one who throws off the TV broadcast. Um, they're relying on you to be on time as well. Um, so they come in at the right time. So that's making sure that the band is timed up correctly um, and that you have their right timing um, and make adjustments. Um, being able to work with the flyover crew, which changes week to week um, and, and making sure that their timing's down and being able to communicate that on the fly if for some reason, you know, the band is 10 seconds late or if we have to pivot for a TV slide or what that looks like and communicating that. Um, so the planes are just kind of circling up there, ready to go for a flyover. Um, so they hit at the right time. Um, we have our spirit on the field and the mascots and the pyro and the smoke on the field and the team coming out of the tunnel and um, cueing the DJ to play a certain song at the right time. Or if I'm playing it, uh, you know, timing the videos so they start and finish appropriately and things like that. I mean, everything's scripted down to the second. Yeah, for sure. And do you guys have um, walkthroughs and practices for (laughs) the production piece of it? Definitely. Um, Three a week at the minimum. That's awesome. And and so what is it like? I mean, obviously, um, it's definitely important to have that. How, I mean, obviously, um, when COVID and, and no fans were allowed, but how interesting is that? when there's no fans and then game day and it's like the environment so loud, so intense. And uh, what's that like when you guys do the walkthrough and then when it's finally here, you guys on game day, kind of walk me through that uh, process a little bit. Yeah. So we do a couple different run throughs. Um, Some of them is just with our sponsorship team and, um, you know, just making sure that, you know, the right videos or the right logos and the ribbon boards and all that is up, um, up at the right time. So I work very closely with um, Sooner Vision, which is our video production team here. Our big screens director, Davis Cook, he is phenomenal at his job. Um, mm-hmm. So we work very, very closely together, just making sure um, everything looks um, like how I envisioned it, how the sponsors, you know, for that they're getting their money's worth and things like that too. So we have one run through that's just with them. Um, and then we have another one later in the week um, that's a full run through with everything that they're included in as well, as well as our staff. And then another one, the last one, usually Friday afternoon, um, just to check everything one last time um, as we continue to get information throughout the week as things change. I mean, you have your tailgater of the game and your community champions that change week to week. And so a lot of those times, um, you know, you may not go visit the school or something until Thursday. So you don't have that content until Friday afternoon. So um, continuously building that show 
um, staying in touch with how long those videos are, making sure they're slotted at the right time, um, building that script out, um, and then being able to position yourself in a way that you can, um, for lack of a better term, blow up the script based off of how the game is going. You don't want some great moment to happen and you hit a touchdown and you go to break and then you go to a really boring commercial. <laughs> so making sure that, you know, you have high energy pieces in your show to where that's not something that you have to run at all, but also having um, the flexibility to be able to move breaks around based off of um, how the game flow is going. And that's with every sport as well. But, um, and a lot of that comes with being able to communicate that to your staff. I mean, I'm six floors up in the sky watching everything happen from above. And I have um, many, many boots on the ground who do the, the hard work of getting people on and off the field and uh, recognitions going and t-shirt tosses ready to go and having the mascots in the right place. And all that comes with that as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I know communication is key. How, how important is that to make sure miscommunication is limited, if not to none, on game day and making sure everybody knows um, what to do and also having the people in the right places and making sure the, you know, the production pieces of every facet is and runs smoothly on the, you know, making sure the communication is, is smooth. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I came from a dance background and you don't get to the ending show without, um, without some practice. So that's why we <laughs> do so many, so many run throughs and, um, a lot of meetings with our people just to make sure that the, the clarity is there. Or if someone has an idea to make something run a little smoother or moving um, something on the field from one end to the other for, for it to make sense or to be more feasible, um, you know, talking through that with multiple people, I am not the end-all be-all decision maker by any means. So um, having a lot of input from, from incredible professionals in the business helps for sure. But um, you know, that communication just comes from doing it. Um, we have a lot of new people, a lot of new interns as well on the floor, um, that are very quick learners, um, which is super helpful. But, um, I love when people ask questions. I love when people ask why, um, ask, ask why of me and what my choices were and why I made that decision and, um, and kind of learning that way, but also making me explain why, cause maybe there is a better way. Um, so there's a lot of communication that goes into it from start to finish of why things happen the way they do. Yeah, that's huge. And talk about uh, being at college athletics, you're also in a unique spot because you can hire uh, student workers, you can hire mm -hmm. graduate assistants, interns even. Um, so talk about the power of that and giving, you know, employment opportunities to a vast uh, majority of people, no matter if they're interns, they're graduate assistant or, you know, a student worker as well. Yeah, so we have, right now we have three um, graduate assistants along with me and uh, my assistant director, Rob. Um, so we're kind of the, the five-man team right now, plus our uh, 20 interns. They're, they're our student workers, but they, they're fulfilling an internship. Um, nice. And so <laughs> it's, it's us in our department running everything. Um, so in crossover season right now, we have both men's and women's gymnastics, men's and women's tennis, men's and women's basketball, um, <laughs> and wrestling all in track all happening at the same time. And then softball just started today and baseball next week. So February through March is a lot. They put in a lot of hours. Um, <laughs> it's very nice to have some help, especially while we're down a couple full-time staff for sure. Um, and they've all had to step up. I mean, the GAs are doing things 
um, as first year graduate assistants that they probably wouldn't do until they're full timers. Um, but we're relying on them in that way. And they've really stepped up to the plate. Um, it's really cool for me just coming from being a graduate assistant here to pour into the next crop. Um, it's kind of full circle for me and, and taking that experience and how lucky I was to have the staff that I did when I was a graduate assistant, um, who I'm still very close with, um, and just kind of pouring into the next group. I think that's probably one of my favorite parts about leading the department at this time is just watching them become leaders to the interns as well. And then watching the interns grow, um, in the experience that they're getting this year. Yeah, it's huge. You talk about the graduate assistant piece. Um, that's a huge piece that people want to grow and, and get their master's because you're getting credit, you're gaining experience. Uh, so talk about your time as a GA and how that came about and what you, you know, how, you know, what's the best way to approach uh, grad assistant roles uh, because each one is, is different. Sure. Um, and each school is different too. So, um, you know, people may structure it differently. We're very blessed here that, um, OU covers our tuition completely. Um, we just have to pay fees. Um, and then hey, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and then we get a stipend on top of that. Um, it's not much, but it's it's more than a lot of schools offer. So um, it's we're very fortunate in that way. Um, my graduate assistant experience um, was the best thing that could have happened to me. Um, I was very fortunate to be very close with both um, of. My direct supervisors, um, Bobby Nash, who is now the associate AD at Colorado, and uh, Drew Gashler, who is now the associate AD at Kansas, um, they were pivotal and crucial in, in my growth um, as a leader, as a professional, as a person, um, just constantly pouring into me and, and challenging me and supporting me in ways that um, – I didn't know I needed. I was very quiet. I came in and just wanted to be a sponge and um, <laughs> didn't really know. I mean, I was still pretty fresh into this business and making this decision to kind of pursue this as my career um, and was afraid to speak out and didn't think that, you know, I didn't have as much tenure as someone who was a GA or an intern, you know, all four years in college. I was only an intern my senior year. Um, so I didn't think that I had too much to bring to the table at the time, but they constantly, um, asked of me what my thoughts were and, and gave me a really um, positive experience to kind of voice my opinions and, um, and grow in that way and give me incredible responsibilities, um, managing people, managing tasks. Um, I had overseen the community relations department for a couple months before um, Bobby was hired into the oversight role for that. Um, and, you know, I had full trust of the staff and I had only been there a couple weeks um, just because of my community relations experience, um, with the minor league team. And so, I mean, they treat you like full-time staff there, uh, when you're a GA and you just get to network and meet all kinds of people in all the different departments, which is, uh, a really cool facet of marketing. We're not really pigeonholed into like one arena or one, you know, office. We constantly are working with everyone for the, um, wholesome fan experience. And so meeting so, so many people who helped me um, network and connect. And so whenever I graduated, I had no issues, um, you know, finding a place to land after that. Yeah, for sure. And talk about being a GA and what it does, because obviously it's a unique opportunity uh, to continue your education, 
um, and, you know, have an opportunity for a school to either, you know, partially pay uh, for your master's or some, you know, like uh, University of Oklahoma was able to pay uh, entire tuition. Um, so how important is it that, you know, for undergrads to maybe if they want to work in college athletics or pursue a master's, you know, maybe find those grad assistant positions um, to gain additional experience? Yeah, I mean, if this is what you're interested in, there's a there's a GA position for you somewhere. Um, the school part is is nice, and a lot of people that's you know the main focus. Um, the school here, um, most of the GAs are intercollegiate athletic administration majors um, in the College of Education, and we're being taught by our coworkers, um, department mm-hmm. heads, administration, who have been in the industry and currently are in the industry. And so um, it was a really unique experience for us to get to hear the wisdom from our coworkers and really learn from people that are living it day to day and not people that, you know, did it several years ago and aren't up to date with the times. Because, I mean, in the last two years, five years, how look how much college athletics has changed, right? I mean, we have so much happening every single day. Every time you look at ESPN, something new is happening um, with the NCAA. So, you know, learning from people and and the degree program here is incredible. Um, But just having that experience to kind of just learn um, and being allowed to to mess up and to try new things and to be a sponge and to meet new people, um, travel somewhere new. Um, I, I always say if you are wanting to work in sports, you pretty much have to be ready to uproot your life and move wherever. Um, I mean, I'm from Florida. I moved out here, moved back down to New Orleans, came back up here. I'm 16 <laughs> hours from home. Um, and a lot of people are. I mean, almost all of our GAs, we have one from Montana, one from Nebraska, and then one that's from, um, from Norman. Uh, most of our interns are all students from out of state. Um, so, and then my assistant director is from New Jersey. So we've all kind of landed here um, in different ways. You just kind of have to be open to that. But um, there's definitely a position out there for you everywhere. Um, people offer different things and um, just be open to that. But, I mean, you get another year or two of just learning before you're, you're in the hot seat taking the, the brunt <laughs> of it. Um, learning how to manage a budget. I think that was a huge thing as a GA Um that I hadn't done before, um, learning to manage people and interns and what that looks like, um, time management and balancing school with basically a full-time job. Um, there's a lot of things that you don't learn, don't realize you're learning in the moment that you think back to and how much it shaped how you, how you work, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. You hit the nail on the head there. Um, And did you always uh, see yourself uh, pursuing uh, that master's degree after your undergrad or kind of walk me through this and how you decided to definitely take the next step and pursue a master's? Um, Yeah, no, I wasn't. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This was not, like I said, this was not the plan. Um, My... Gosh, it was probably, it was right before spring break, um, the week before spring break, my senior year, um, so early March or so, um, and my boss had sat me down, and she was like, you really need to think about this long term. Um, She was like, I don't know what you really want to do, 
um, but you're, you have a future doing this. Um, you're really good. Um, we keep giving you more responsibility and you keep knocking it out of the park. Like, I really think you need to consider this. Um, I got, she, I mean, this is her speaking. I got my master's at Oklahoma and I have some connections there. Would you be interested, um, in submitting an application for a GA position? It's kind of late. It's already March, but you know, we can call them and at least see what happens. And I was like, sure. <laughs> um, not really sure. My dad went here. Um, I don't know if I said that. My dad went to Oklahoma, so I had grown up an OU fan. Um, so oh, her nice. and I had connected <laughs> in that way of just, you know, her being here for her GA ship as well. Um, so, I mean, to come here would be a dream, but that was not the plan. Um, and so I was driving home that day uh, for spring break. So I drove home six hours and talking to my mom on the phone, talking about, grad school, potentially moving to Oklahoma. If I, you know, if I do well with the interview or if I even get into school and what that looks like. Um, and then kind of thought about applying to a couple other places as well. I ended up applying to, um, Mississippi state just in case I wanted to stay there, even though they didn't have a GA position open, but, um, just doing the school piece and continuing as an intern. Um, and then I applied to the university of Kentucky as well. Um, just cause I had some connections there, uh, from family. Um, and so I knew I would have a place to live, but those are the only places I applied to. Um, I ended up having an interview um, with the um, director of community relations at the time um, and it went well. <laughs> and so I ended up here. Um, he and I got along really well. And of course I grew up an OU fan. So it was just kind of the best of both worlds. So um, that wasn't the plan by any means. She really encouraged me. And like I said, that support system and, um, finding your mentors who are constantly encouraging you um, because, it, you know, still at that time, I didn't really know. I changed my major and I had an idea of what I wanted to do. And I kind of continued to fall into random opportunities, um, which I feel like is now pretty common in this industry, but I didn't know <laughs> at the time because um, it really is who, you know. Um, and so she encouraged me to just shoot your shot and see what happens. And um, it, it changed everything. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, the power of networking, uh, the power of who you know. Um, talk about that, how you've leveraged that, and um, just being able to um, use your network to the best of your ability. I mean, sometimes it can get crazy. I mean, we all, I think, you know, we all get busy. And I think um, that's, you know, that's just a part of it. Um, but how important is it to keep those relationships open um, so you're not just reaching out and asking for a job, but it's that authentic connection uh, that you have with people so you can genuinely uh, continue to keep the uh, conversation going. Yeah, somebody once told me that relationships should be transformational and not transactive. Um, and so I think that always kind of stuck with me. Um, I've never been I'm a very intentional person. I'm very intentional. I mean, all of my friends still live in Mississippi or like Nashville or Florida or wherever. I mean, they don't live here. Um, and so staying in touch with them, you have to be very intentional and checking in on how they're doing and, um, and, and being there for them. I mean, I'm maid of honor in um, one of my best friend's weddings and I have barely seen her since we graduated school <laughs> in 2017. But I mean, I'm just so intentional about staying in touch with people in my personal life and professional life, um, I'm always willing to learn everyone. 
Um, especially people knowing the situation that I'm in right now, I think I've made even more connections just because I'm continuously asking for advice and for help and for new things. And I had never run women's gymnastics before until this year either. And so, you know, what advice do you have and calling up different schools who have gymnastics programs and, you know, what are best practices there and staying in touch and, um, NACMA is the national association for collegiate marketing administrators. Um, that's kind of like our, uh, governing association of sorts that we're m- most people are members of. And so that network is really strong. Um, so I've always kind of had different mentors in the industry. I mean, bouncing around from minor league baseball to the NFL, to the NBA, um, and then college athletics at two different schools, um, working in recruiting and then working in marketing and what that looks like. Um, I've worked the world series a couple times. Um, I've worked the college football playoff. I've worked a lot of different things. So having connections in the NCAA and, and different things like that. And so um, just continuously staying in touch. And I think it's obviously beneficial for me, um, you know, not, not always asking for help, but just checking in. And if somebody has a big win and, you know, shooting them an email and just say, congratulations. And, um, LinkedIn's a great tool as well. I'm um, just staying in touch with that and finding your connections there and what you have in common to just kind of initiate that. But um, it's been cool to be a resource for those who come after me and to kind of help them out and be able to help them chase their dreams. Um, I have a couple of interns who are really passionate about working in Major League Baseball and having some connections there. Um, you know, it'll be it'll be really cool to to see if I can help them do what they want to do as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, having those authentic connections is huge. And I want to touch on uh, your leadership ability and how have you been able to develop that? And what do you think you've done differently than maybe uh, others to really step into a leadership role and and have that um, reflect and uh, shown in your role now? Yeah, um, my management strategy, I'm very uh, laid back. Um, I had one person, I had uh, Donna Kirby. She's the vice president of operations for, um, the blue Wahoos in Pensacola. And anytime I would go ask her a question, she would just turn it back on me and make me answer my own question. Um, (laughs) it used to drive me nuts Uh, (laughs) to the point where I, I still remember it all the time. She would just be like, well, what would you do? I'm like, well, I'm asking you, (laughs) she's like, no, what would you do? So I would tell her and then she'd be like, okay, that's great. Go do that. Um, and so I, I don't, quite frankly, don't have time to micromanage right now. I think my management style is a little different now just because of the situation that I'm in versus what I would prefer it to be if I was, you know, fully staffed and not having to work 500 events. But um, <laughs> I, I continuously have at the forefront of what can I do to help other people grow. Um and in turn is helping me. I, I was very bad at delegating before. Um, I, I am not a control freak, but I like things done a certain way. Um, <laughs> but who's to say that my way is the best way, right? And so continuously learning about that um, and kind of checking myself there and being more open to um, having more brainstorming sessions and, and instead of being the sole decision maker and kind of opening the floor to other people Um, and letting them speak their opinions. Because like I said, when I came to be as a GA, I had someone doing the same thing for me. I was scared to speak, but then I was given the opportunity to, um, and you build that confidence in yourself. And so um, providing that space for others as well um, has been really cool. 
Um, I'm, I always try and have my door open as much as possible. I love being with around the interns and, uh, getting to know them and their dreams and what they want to accomplish. Um, and same thing with our GAs. We're all, we're all pretty close. Um, I'm obviously fairly young for, um, where I'm at, um, in my position right now, which, um, is great, but, um, and, and relating to those that I'm leading, but, um, I have so much to learn. Um, so it's really cool um, to learn from everyone around me and the department heads that I work with every day are incredible people and the best of what they do. And I truly believe that. Um, but I, I have also been told that from a very young age, I was always someone who was born to lead up. Um, I've always kind of been the youngest in my class. I have a summer birthday. Um, I was just kind of in positions <laughs> like that, but, um, I was typically a leader amongst my peers in really quiet ways. Um, I never let someone be alone. I was always the person that would go make a friend um, if they were by themselves. Um, I'm pretty upbeat and positive 99% of the time. And I like to kind of keep that, um, keep that energy there uh, and provide a, an environment where positivity is the main focus. That's something my dad always reinforced with us. Um, happiness is a choice and positivity takes a lot of effort, um, but it makes everyone around you better if you create that space for everyone else. So um, that's just kind of the bare bones. Um, but I think in this role that I'm in right now and the position I'm in right now where I've kind of assumed the, the leadership of the department, I think that's been even more critical because we're all in a place where we're pretty uh, putting in a lot of hours. Um, so it's hard sometimes to keep that that mindset. Um, and so to, to have a place where we're all comfortable with each other and, um, can rely on one each other and, and trust each other at all times has been really important. Um, but also providing a space for everyone to step up, uh, when they're called upon, because that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah. I love that positive vibes only. I yeah. mean, <laughs> it's huge. And you said it there, it positivity does take effort. Um, but it's, you know, it's infectious. If if you come in every day with a smile on your face, it goes a long way and it affects um, everybody around you, right? Absolutely. And it's kind of a funny thing, I think. I mean, if you ask anyone their impression of me, I think that I hope that's what people mostly remember, um, that I made people smile and made it a more positive experience um working in sports is a long hours it's long days um there's not really anything monotonous about it everything's different every day which is good but um it can be it can be intense um you're in a a magnifying glass with a big big focus on you I mean, <laughs> you're on espn and we're in a role where things don't get noticed if they go right things get noticed if they go wrong um so to, to continuously keep that um that positive energy is is critical yeah that's huge um so i want to ask if you had to give any advice i mean you've had we've talked about it here on the podcast uh we've definitely touched on many great things uh but if you had to give uh your best piece of advice to uh, those who want to work in college athletics or to anybody wanting to work in the sports industry um what would that be um, two things. Don't be afraid to reach out. Um, the worst someone can say is no. 
Um, so what's, what's the, what's the harm in just reaching out and introducing yourself and, um, picking their brain if they have time or, um, just making that connection, be it on LinkedIn or find their email online. And, um, that was something I did a lot in college was just find people who had the job that I wanted to do, um, and ask them how they got there, make that connection and, um, build that relationship early. Um, which has been kind of funny since I posted that on LinkedIn and it went kind of viral gotten a lot of messages from people that want to work in the industry and uh that I've that I've gotten to talk to over the last week or so um so that's that's one thing um don't be afraid to reach out and make those connections and then two um once you're in the industry figure out how to be an asset um like I said that's my that's my biggest advice to anyone always um find where you can be an asset at any given point um, so that means expanding your skill set to kind of include a lot of different things, but you never know what someone's going to need. Um, I learned, I taught myself how to do Photoshop because none of the other interns at Mississippi State knew how to do it. Um, so I wanted to be the one that when they said, Hey, can someone do this Photoshop project? Yep. I got it. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I wasn't a public speaker, um, but I had the dance background and the acting background that I knew that I could do it if I was called upon. Hey, can someone go to this elementary school and give this presentation? Yep, I got it. Um, so just figure out how to be an asset and whatever that means to you um, in whatever situation that you're in. And it can be completely different every single day. Um, but don't be afraid to to step up and say, yes, I can do that um, and, and find your voice in that way. Uh, Caitlin, it's been a pleasure having you on the pod. Um, I'm sure we could go on and on. It's been uh, phenomenal to learn about you and your story. And I'm sure the next time we talk, uh, you're just going to have continued success uh, no matter what uh, role you're in. So I really appreciate the conversation. Well, thank you. It's been great uh, talking to you as well and getting to learn more about you and, and your experience in the sports industry as well. Yeah, for sure, Caitlin. And if uh, people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? Sure. My LinkedIn is just Caitlin Fournier. Um, and then my Twitter is C, the number eight, L-I-N, the number four, N-I-E-R. Um, and then my email is on my LinkedIn as well. Perfect, Caitlin. Well, I do appreciate it. And we'll be in touch. Awesome. Thank you so much.